welcome to the Bronova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Bronova Podcast. My guest this week is Nico Lagan. Nico, did I pronounce your last name correctly? My name's French, so whatever, however you want to say it, that's fine. But Lagan is probably easier. How do you say it? Uh, well, technically, Lagan is the five letter, the five first letters of my last name. Uh, uh-huh. So Lagan is good, or Lagan is good. I don't. It could be so much worse, so it's all good. Okay, well, Nico Lagan <laughs> is a men's coach, entrepreneur, and a Muay Thai instructor. He has his own podcast, and he also works in sales. So Nico and I connected because. You know, we both are in this kind of realm of thinking about and talking about men's life, role in society, all of this good stuff. So welcome to the show, Nico, and thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, Montreal, you mentioned, is, is, is home for you? It used to be. Used not to anymore. Be. Oh, that's right. That's right. Not, not anymore, but it used to be. <laughs> yeah, it used okay. to be. Okay. So I, 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 you know, you, you mentioned you left you and you sound like you're with someone, maybe a partner or a wife is my guess. Yeah. My girlfriend. Yeah. Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think, um, to me, unless I just don't know the situation, that sounds very reactive, right? That sounds very, I want to say dramatic of a move, yeah. you know? And so what were the things that you calculated in with, with that decision? Uh, well, that decision started like my first intent of leaving Canada started about 10 years ago. I wanted to go somewhere in South America. Like I've backpacked a lot through, uh, throughout South America and I really like the culture. Like I, I really, really like the simpler life, if we can call it that. And yeah, it started about 10 years ago. I wanted to do it. I, Went, I went on a trip to Costa Rica. Unfortunately, I met my ex-wife there. So it was, she was a girl from Toronto. So I, I was, I was literally going to Costa Rica to see if I could live there. And I ended up mm-hmm. meeting my ex-wife. So that plan didn't happen until about three months ago. And, um, quite frankly, when, uh, the restrictions that happen in Canada kind of, um, uh, changed my tone about how I felt about Canada as a whole. Like I, I can't believe that we force people to do whatever they feel, whatever the the society feels that they need to do, without considering all aspect of the question itself. So I wasn't. I don't like to be. I don't like to feel like somebody's forcing me to do something. So I just decided, if that's the choice I have, I'll just go somewhere where I feel that. I'll have more liberties and my girlfriend and I right now are just traveling the US in our RV. I think we've done eight states now in the past three months. We're just looking for hopefully a place that we like. We don't know. Like we're just, we like Tennessee up to now. I got to say Tennessee was awesome, Nice. but we, we might end up going to South America. We still have a bunch of places we want to see. We'll be traveling for probably another six months to a year. So hopefully we find a place we want to see, we want to stay in. If not, we'll, we'll go somewhere. We'll go through Mexico. We'll go somewhere down South America. We'll find something. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great lifestyle. I think it's one of those things that once, like once I got out on the road, realized yeah. there's a lot of inconveniences associated with it. Yep. You know, that the movies don't really portray, but no. it's certainly an exciting time, especially if you can do it and, and kind of keep your businesses going. I have, uh, I bought, we got a uh, 37 foot RV. It's two bedroom, but the back bedroom is an office. Like right now, my setup is probably better than the one you have at home. Like I have two 24 inch screen, two curved 24 inch screen in front of me right now, plus an MSI gaming laptop that I do all my editing on. So I, let's say I spurged on the best since I'm spending 12 hours, 14 hours a day in front of those, uh, in front of those screens. Yeah, for sure. How do you stay fit on the road? Uh, I've been in shape my whole life, man. I've started competing in basketball. I was, well, probably 12 years old. And then when I went, when I went back to school in my twenties, I discovered the gym, uh, the college, and I've been hitting the gym consistently for the past 20 years, five, six days a week for, I, I think I can count on one hand the amount of time I missed the gym, like how many, how many weeks I skipped throughout the past 20 years. It's less than five. I've, I've trained with a broken arm, broken elbow, broken leg. Doesn't matter to me. I'm training. And to a point I was fighting. So I used to train 12 times a week. So it was six times in the gym, six time in uh, martial arts. So training is just what I do. Plus the diet is. The probably the the fattest I'll ever be is like twelve percent body fat. Like to me, when I'm that, I feel huge. Like I feel very. Uh, but my diet right now, I'm almost on my fighter on my the same diet I was when I was fighting. So I'm forty years old and I have a six pack again. So that feels good too. Hell yeah. So do you have? Um, do you just find gyms in the towns where you are? Or do you have like a little calisthenic setup? How do you? Because a lot of people travel, right? And and yep. need to f- adapt. Their, with their training yep you know i i did a research when i left what was the most popular gym in the u.s and the most not 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 the most popular uh, i should rephrase that the more uh the, the gym that has the most locations and it was planet fitness mm-hmm. so i picked up a planet fitness uh pass actually we picked up two like i have one for the my girlfriend has one too but I soon learned that Planet Fitness is not the type of gym I like to work out at. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, it's mostly for people that are, that are beginners. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm, I'm one of those douchebags with heavy weight that makes a lot of noise that dumps weight on the ground. Like when I go work out, I'm working out. I'm not there to just mm-hmm. maybe sweat. I'm there to work. I, I, exactly. Yeah. So I discovered that Planet Fitness is good if I have nothing else, but I train at, um, I normally find Gold's Gym. I also have a, so I have two passes. <laughs> I have the Planet Fitness and I have the Gold Gym where the other douchebags like me like yeah. to work out. The, the meathead mecca. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I feel right at home too. I love those gyms. I know everybody. I walk there. I know all the trainers. I know the guys that run the place. I know everybody. That's awesome. Yeah. I like yep. to do. A lot of body weight stuff on the road. Yep. Yep. Just because COVID actually, that was one kind of blessing in disguise because I was in San Francisco, which was one of the most restricted places in the country and all the gyms were shut. 
and I started mm-hmm. working out at this, we call them bar parks, so calisthenics parks. Yep. And yep. there's this whole really cool culture around calisthenics and kind of like urban working out, you know, in the city. You don't need a lot of equipment. And it's no. a very, very intense like and very specific type of training, like a lot of, well, it's all body weight. And I kind of got into that and it really changed my training to now where I I think we'll never only do resistance training. To me, like body weight mastery is kind of, or not, not mastery because that's a very high standard, but having a good grasp of one's body weight, I feel like is such a fundamental step that people should do even before they go to resistance training personally. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And at the same time, kinesthetics kind of derived of, um, of uh, gymnastics. Like a lot of the movements come from there and outside of, uh, climbers outside of people that do rock climbing. I think gymnastic people and rock climbers are the two strongest people like weight for what their, their personal weight for what they're capable of pushing. Absolutely crazy. Now, kinesthetics people are so strong, so, so strong. It's very, very impressive. I've had too many surgeries though. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's demanding. Imagine. It's not easy on your body either. It isn't like the joints, the shoulders, the elbows. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. very the wrist. It's all. It's all. It's cool though because it, it's it's more of an overuse, kind of like like a swimmer's shoulder kind of thing, as opposed yep. to like if yep. someone puts too much weight on the bar, they mm-hmm. can you know pull their back or slip a disc. But it's more kind of injuries of overuse rather than overexertion of like um yeah like that exactly like that like from a weightlifting accident. There's a lot to learn for anybody that's pushing weights out there because. I used to be one of those that thought that maximum weight was important until you mess up your back, until you snap your elbow, until you break an arm. You realize that uh, it doesn't really matter. As long as you do it properly, weight is not that important. That's why body weight's so important. Like I do a lot of body weight training on top of the weight training, but I don't dedicate. I, I'm not. I'm not dedicated to one over the other. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. So I've, with your men's coaching, so I guess also I'll provide the context of kind of what we do here yep. on my show. It's kind of promoting the bro nouveau mindset. And to me, that means more authentic, expressive, and open-minded. Because uh, I, I started the show because I saw people, both, both personal and public, have very dramatic falls from grace. Mm-hmm. And... I attribute that to a lack of communication skills and a lack of the ability to say what is wrong, ask for help and be vulnerable in, in these people's personal lives and the way that it expresses and manifests is with essentially bad behavior. And Mm -hmm. that then over years, over time destroys people's lives because if they are cheating or cheating in a partner or cheating in business or, you know, just being scumbags, you know, on the surface, if they, it's kind of a double-edged sword because the more the successful quote successful, whether that's in shape, having sex, having a nice body, having money, you know, if that's success and they're portraying that and they have the fake confidence of that, it's, it creates a steeper fall when it comes out that they are scumbags in the background. So that's kind of where I come from with my definition of healthy masculinity 
focusing on the expression and the reflection. And I know you, you have a men's business coaching, so, or not men's business coaching, uh, just men's coaching in general. So what are the values that you kind of base your, uh, your coaching off of? To give a bit of perspective, I, I like to help men that, well, I help two types of men. I like to help men that are, that grew up without a father. So my mm-hmm. father left when I was 14. I've done, you know, I've done a lot of stupid shit. If I can allow myself to say this, <laughs> I've done a lot. I've done a lot of stupid shit from 14 to 20 where I looked for a father figure in all the wrong places as, Boys, men, I, most people don't realize this, but men will look for mentors. We're always looking for somebody to emulate. And in our very limited capacity, well, at least the one I had when I was 14 years old, I didn't know what a good man was. I didn't know who I should emulate. So I just emulated what I thought was good. And yeah, that turned out that I did a lot of mistakes. I... I've done a lot of stupid shit. I'm very happy I didn't end up in prison. I'm very happy that I never got caught for those things. But I, I I try right now a lot of the content. Like if you look my TikTok account, my YouTube, a lot of the content that I put out there is I try to help those guys that are 18 to 28 where they're, I like to call them eternal teenagers because we... We, you know, we men are not present in the family or at least not as as much as they should be. And there's a multitude of reason for that, but we need to help those young men understand that being a teenager doesn't necessarily serve a purpose. Like we, we see th- this is the biggest problem that I see with men from all ages is purpose. It seems like we're just wandering around and we wonder why we're so confused as to why we're depressed, why we're unhappy, why we're not successful in relationships. We don't know ourselves, and we expect to find somebody to complete us when you should always find somebody to compliment you, to find somebody that aligns with your values. So these are, when it comes to the 18 to 28, I think it's very, it's very important to teach them to find what their values are experiment to see the type of woman they want to spend their life with, which type of woman they want to have kids with. Because a lot of the problems, and God knows I'm divorced, so I've made that mistake too. We choose with our wrong head. Let's say we use what we choose the head that's in our pants, not the one that's on our shoulders in order to choose our mates. It's There's so many problems that I see with men today but at the end of the day i just want to try to be the best mentor that i can be for young men you know they say to lead by example be the change that you want to see so this is this is what i want to do and same way i started interviewing people in the street that's something i started a few weeks ago i just walk around ask people simple question as to what's a good man What's the qualities that he should possess? What's the qualities a woman should possess? What's one thing you wish your father taught you now that you're an adult? Like, what do you wish you knew prior? And I also help guys that are more my age. Like, I'm 40 years old. I just dropped my six-digit job to 100% work on my business. Like, I don't, I don't have a nine-to-five anymore. 
it has taken me 10 years of planning and two and a half years of executing in order to achieve this. But now all I do is run my businesses and they're starting to be very successful. So it's, you know, men need, young men need to understand that there are certain things that they need to know in order to be happy or at least be in a situation where it makes sense, where they can be focused on the things that matters. And men my age, I don't know how old you are. I didn't ask. I uh, I should have. But guys our, our age need to understand too that we have a limited amount of time on this planet. And one day you have to go after what you really want to have. I call that a personal legend. Whatever you, th- whatever you were put on this earth to do, when you're, when you have a career, you have money saved, you took care of your family, you did your, your job as a man. It's, t- it's time for you to go after it. It's time for you to gamble and burn that bridge. Like get rid of everything that's, that's not what you want to do. Cut all the bullshit around you, all the people, the naysayers around you, all the negative person around you and just do you for the first time in your life. You can afford it. So do it. Because you know what they say, the number one, they, they, they ask people on their deathbed and the number one thing they regret is not doing what their heart told them to do. There's nothing else. It's really, they regret listening to what other people told them, being limited by other people's beliefs. So yeah, I like to help men. I, I like to say grow a pair, grow a pair of balls and actually go after what they know they should be doing no matter how it sounds to other people. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm I'm in between that age range and you, so I'm 27. So kind of Oh, you're 27. Middle. Yeah. Yeah. You know there's a there's a very important stage that that, ar- that arrives around 28. They call it like the quarter life crisis. I don't like that term. I'm going to have to find another a better one than that, but you're about to experience something that it's beautiful. Like we think that crisis in a man's life are, are bad, but everything that's worth doing is hard. And most of it come from hitting rock bottom, from asking the real questions and not necessarily knowing what the answer is, but searching for that answer. So you're going to hit that soon. That's going to be interesting. I had one. I mean, there could, there could, be, <laughs> there could be more coming. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah. My, my big one was with my, it was basically a maturity thing, but a relationship thing of, you yep. know, how much longer do I want to, you know, fuck around basically mm-hmm. in, in the dating scene. And then, yep. you know, when someone excellent crosses your path, it's a question of priorities and, you know, going through, going through all of that. That was, that was a big shift for me because it, it was kind of the symbolic change from boyhood to manhood in the sense of, yeah, like the one head wants to continue to be single and and have fun and have a pretty hedonistic lifestyle. The other one senses that I'll regret this for the rest of my life if I don't go for it with this person. And that was a big that was kind of the the last domino to fall of my maturity because I've always been an older soul and mm-hmm. you know, I stopped like heavy partying sophomore year of college, for example, because I was just like over it and it was stupid. I actually just recently started a six week 
no drinking alcohol at all with the goal of just quitting alcohol forever because it, I recognize it's completely misaligned with my values and what I want to do with my life. And well, why quit altogether? Sorry for interrupting you, but I'm just mm-hmm. curious. Why would you want to quit altogether? Because it serves no, it, it serves no positive purpose for for me. Like the, the most common reason people drink is a social lubricant, mm-hmm. and I don't need yep. that. I can be silly at any point, you know, and yeah. I'm just yeah, as yeah, happy yeah. like with a mocktail, you know, and just oh, cheers, you know, <laughs> and um. It's it's more just the empty calories and then also yeah. my liver. You know, I've been drinking for 10 years and binge drinking. I play rugby. It's a binge drinking culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what that <laughs> I have a lot of rugby friends. I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why well, you guys party together. I think that's yeah. one of the most – this is quite the segue, but this is one of the most beautiful thing I find about rugby is that the the, t- the receiving team will take you out. I love it. Absolutely love it that the two teams can actually compete and then go out to a bar and have a drink. I love it. I absolutely love that. For sure. It's it's super unique, and it's, yep. it's why I'll always be associated with it because I don't know any other sports that do that, at least not – American sports for sure, maybe some other sports overseas. Yeah, but but yeah, that's why. And it's also like a to me, it's just like a little vice to nip out. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. why, kind of similar to what you're saying, like having challenges and doing things that are worthwhile. Yeah, because yeah. I did it, so I, I get you. Mm-hmm. I, I was an alcoholic, so I I know what it feels mm-hmm. like. And but you know what, I didn't drink for years, and then I started just re-putting it into my life. Now I'll drink. Maybe a drink every few weekends. I'll just, I love cigars. I'm a big, big fan of cigars and I'll sit there with, I'll sip on something as I'm smoking a cigar. It's a nice day. It's something I associate with my best friend. Like we do that all the time. So, mm-hmm. but he doesn't drink either. So we just share the cigars. But yeah, it's, I understand. I fully understand. Yeah. And also, exactly. It's like preventing alcoholism, right? Like mm-hmm. that's something I'm, I'm skittish of because um, yeah. of my family background. So, so so how is it for you because i know a lot of addicts feel that even the one opens the door right for the the sleep this the the steep slope downhill and so for you is it it seems like you're not worried about that no you know my best friend's like that my best friend was in a band for years and mm-hmm. he partied. I would. I. I didn't know that. I didn't know him back then. But he probably was an alcoholic. So, but now he doesn't drink anymore. I think it's been three years. I've known him for about four years now, and I think he quit just before. So it's probably been four or five years. And he. He's. He. He thinks that he cannot touch another drink the rest of his life because it is a slippery slope. I, on the other hand. Uh, this is going to sound very cocky what I'm going to say, but I have one of the strongest mindsets you've ever, you've ever met. If I decide that something's going to be, it's just going to be. Mm-hmm. So I can say just, I'll have two drinks. I'll have a drink. Like I, I just started drinking coffee again after more than two years of just stopping mm-hmm. cold turkey just nice. because I want, I want to everything that I do. I want it to be done consciously. Not because I have to do it, but because every single time I start the coffee machine, it's a choice. I'm like, I'm going to go to work. 
I enjoy drinking coffee as I'm working because I'm very inspired in the morning. And this just is something that I like, but it is something that I do consciously. Same thing with the drinks. If I had a couple of drinks last weekend, I'm not going to drink next weekend just because I don't want it to become a habit. Mm -hmm. So I do force myself. The only, the only thing that I can't control is my gym addiction that there's nothing I can do about that. I need to work out at least five or six times a week. This is just, but it's a, it's, I think it's a healthy obsession. Healthy obsession. I'm I'm with you. I'm the same way. I, Yeah. yeah, I go crazy. And if it's like, <laughs> like, if I'm traveling for work, like we were in West Virginia up in the, it was sick. That's actually a cool state on a road trip. We yep. up on oh, I've been there. I spent them. I spent a month there. Yeah. It was, and we were up on this ridge and beautiful view of the valley. And I eventually, I was just like, all right, like I'll be back in 40 minutes. And I just went and fucking ran, you know, cause if not, I just get pent up. But so actually it's an interesting thing that I, you probably were both, I'm sure, exposed to, you know, Liver King is, this Brian Johnson is oh, the guy's name. Oh, boy. What a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> what a jackass. Yeah, for sure. And so quick summary for people. He's this uh, fitness influencer, has a brand about the things he promotes, and his whole thing was that he's ridiculously ripped, and he was saying he wasn't on steroids. Turns out he's on steroids. Yeah. Of course he is. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. And um, I saw him on a on a podcast, and he was talking about his workout obsession. Obsession was the root, you know, of, of where all this started. This whole brand he created. Mm-hmm. And the guy he was talking to, the guy is a comedian. His name is Andrew Schultz, and he was saying, "Love Andrew Schultz." Yeah, he's hilarious. He was oh, yeah. saying, "Like, what what are you compensating for? You know, like what what is it <laughs> with the working out?" You yeah. Know? But I think it's actually a good question for people like us to answer because, yeah, you know. For for myself, it's like with my focus on physical fitness. What what about what about myself that I don't like? Am I trying to compensate for by being in good shape? Mm-hmm. Is the question that it, it sparked in me. So ha- have you have you thought about things along those lines? Of course, but it's not. Um... You know, th- th- it's one of those things that I'm the type of guy that goes down south and I wear a long sleeve shirt. Like, I don't like people to see me without mm-hmm. a shirt on. I don't like to show people to look at me that way. It's it's something I do for myself. I used to be 140 pounds and I walk around about 200, 205 now. But you know what I like about the gym and why I always recommend to any client that I work with is... It's the easiest way to change something about yourself in a positive way. And you can see an actual physical result. It's not just a mind. It's not, you're not learning something new. You're not changing the way you're thinking. You're literally changing the way you're looking. And I wouldn't say that my confidence is attached to my physique, but this is where my confidence started building. When I realized that I had a hundred percent control on the way that I look, the way that I feel in my body. This is my, it's under my control. It's, we don't control a lot of things in life, but the way you look is something that you control. And I, I will take every advantage that I get to 
be in control of the way I feel, the way I look in my body. Because to me, the body, the mind, and the spirit are all attached. My body's a machine. Like if you think about a high-end car, my body is what's running that car. And there's no way that my mind can operate to the level that it needs to operate right now if I don't take care of my body, if I don't put very healthy food in my body, I need to treat my body like a temple so that my mind can operate to the level that it needs to. This is why I treat my body the way I treat it, because my mind needs to work. You mentioned earlier that you uh, stopped drinking coffee, cold turkey for two years. Yeah. How was that experience? Uh, Well... Uh, I, I don't know how, how much you want to go in this, but this is a part, big part of me that I don't talk about. I, I never talk about this. It's very foreign for most people and it seems very strange what I'm going to say, but I am, <laughs> I'm somebody that, no, but I'm, I'm somebody that meditates every day. I'm somebody that's very in touch with, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. Like I'm, I understand that there's something else than just our body and mind and, um, my whole life I've done psychedelics like, uh, psilocybin mushroom. I've done LSD. I've done ayahuasca. I've done, um, uh, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called. Um, either way, I've done mm-hmm. a multitude of them. And a couple of years ago, I found, uh, a place in Canada that does ayahuasca because under certain condition, ayahuasca, you know what ayahuasca is? Uh, I'm assuming yes. that you do. Yeah. So under, specific condition if you're aligned with one of the two churches that are allowed to import some of the medicine into Canada it's totally legal so I found a guy that actually is under one of those um, one of those churches and I've done uh, before my first trip of ayahuasca because I've done it in Peru before but when I did it in Canada it was one of the requirements is to stop drinking coffee two weeks prior you basically go on a plant-based diet for the first two, for the two weeks prior to this, you don't watch TV. You don't, you don't go on social media. You really want to cleanse your mind. And afterwards, I'm like, it took me a good month to stop having headaches, to stop feeling like crap every day. And I just, I'm like, yeah, fuck that shit. Sorry. I'm not going through that again. I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to stop coffee. It's not consciously like I was just taking it because I wanted to because, because I wanted to. Yeah. There was no reason behind me drinking coffee anymore. Just like drinking alcohol in my early twenties. I was just drinking because it felt of, it filled a void. Coffee is no different. Smoking weed is no different. All those, all those things we take for granted are addictions. So I just decided to stop. And as I said, I just started again, maybe two months ago. Awesome, man. But I love coffee, yeah, though. I love the taste of coffee. Oof, I love coffee. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Love it. It's the oh, best. it's the best indeed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I I love – I like that because I also, you know, with the idea of like, okay, what does life look like without alcohol? And then I start thinking of the mm-hmm. other things, you know. It's like – other the other big one for me would be caffeine and coffee but um yeah it's, it's interesting just because you said a month of headaches and that's it's just interesting because they're not i don't think there are many people who have done that you know unless they never started essentially kind of like any yeah, other yeah, drug, yeah you know yep 
or who have like hypersensitivity to caffeine. Um, but you mentioned earlier the kind of political climate of the day um, is one of the things that you know drove you out of Canada. And I had an interesting yeah. conversation um, that will probably air the week before our this conversation airs. Uh, yeah. It was with this um, woman who was a promoting abortion access, abortion rights, um, and I and I thought of something really interesting. I'd love to get your take on it. So, if you t- if, if if one strips away the emotional and kind of um, dynamic nature of of this argument or this fight, it essentially comes down to which circumstances are we allowed to not deal with the consequences of our actions? Because Mm -hmm. that's what it is. A pregnancy is a consequence of Mm -hmm. sex. So in uh, removing instances of, you know, rape and non-consensual sex for those remaining cases, it's essentially a question of when do we get to say no thanks or, you know, I take it back and thinking about it, you know, for me, I think it's personally, like if, if I had been 18, for example, and got a girl pregnant, I, I think that is an understandable time to get an abortion because you're a kid still and you're not going to give that kid a good shot at life. Um, personally, for me, I think that's something that's much more understandable than let's say a 30 year old doing the same thing. But I, I thought that was an interesting way to look at it because essentially what we are doing is giving two adults a pass of, of saying you don't have to deal with the consequence of this decision you made. Yep. 100%. You know. So so where do you where do you fall in the the abortion camp? <laughs> this is I I'm laughing because this is a very interesting topic to me because as a Canadian for 35 years I never questioned it. it it's not a question in the US it's completely different and since I've been in the US I see it all the time they talk about it everywhere mm-hmm. but in canada it's not even a conversation there's no open conversation about where abortion falls it is 100 percent accepted it is totally normal but then my uh my friend my best friend that i smoke cigars with he's against it and he's against abortion yes there is the one percent of uh you were talking about rape you were talking about when it's not uh, wanted when it's not consensual, but it's less than 1%. So let's take that out of the equation right away because we're not, th- there's no argument there. Like nobody argues that 1%. But we also don't do laws based on 1% of the case. We do laws on majority of the cases and then we deal with the exceptions. So having a lo- having had a lot of conversation over the years with my friend, it I'm really starting to question the values that were taught to me in Canada as to just accept abortion because it's a woman's choice. Like it's a woman's body. It's a woman's choice. I, after speaking to my friend, he made me realize that as a bit, as you were saying, it's a responsibility thing. So we're basically, instead of teaching our children to choose when and how to have sex, we basically are allowing them to have sex the way they feel like having it with their very limited understanding of what sex means and what it brings to your life and the consequences of those actions. So we basically are telling them, you know what? We'll give you a, we'll give you a pass on that one. We don't care. It's fine. We'll deal with it later. But I find that 
if you take abortion, for example, it reflects a lot of the things that I see in society now. Abortion being one of the consequences is we are giving pass to people not to take responsibilities for their actions left and right in our society right now. Abortion's a good is a good example. Health and fitness is another good example. Look at Canada where I you look at the Canadian system where, they, where it's a governmental thing. Everybody's insured under the government because we all pay taxes and you can go. But nobody's saying that you've been abusing your body for 30 years. You've been a smoker for 30 years. Your liver's destroyed. Your lungs are destroyed. You have type 1 diabetes. But it's okay. We're going to cure you. But there's no consequences for those actions because we're not putting the responsibility back on the individual. To this day, I do not know where I literally stand on abortion. But all I'm saying is that it is a responsibility problem. It is really, to me, the issue is not abortion. The issue is where do we find it acceptable to say to to people that you do not need to take your responsibility? Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a it's a question of responsibility, and I still do not know where I stand on it. And I don't know. I've had that conversation so many times with my friend, and I don't know. It's just, I'm not for it and I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent for it. I'm not a hundred percent against it. I sit somewhere in the middle, like most cases in, in my political views, but I am starting to lean more against it than for it because of the responsibility aspect. hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. To get involved in the conversation, you can send me an email, contact at bronouveau.com or find me on Instagram at bronouveaupod. Please share this episode out with someone who you think will enjoy it and you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube and search Bro Nouveau Podcast. Enjoy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the influence of your friend is uh, playing a strong hand. It's my yeah. first open discussion. It was the first time I had an open discussion on that while not being judged. My, my friend doesn't judge me for what we... Like him and I, we never talk about small things. We don't talk about entertainment. We don't talk about what's going right. on in the the film industry. We always talk about... Him and I re, him and I have podcasts every single time we see each other. Like right, we, right. At one point, we started just putting my equipment in front of our faces and recording. But every time we see each other, we'll be having conversations similar to what we're having right now. We're always talking. All of my, all the people I keep around me now, I don't have a lot of friends, but everybody that I have is very in depth thinking. My mentor, my, my second best friend is literally is like my mentor is 65 years old. He's an old lawyer that's retired now, but we were talking about law when we, he called me this week. We had a conversation. We ended up talking about our opinions on manslaughter for about an hour, but those are the conversations that I have. So. You know, I think it's, oh, however you feel about abortion, let's take that since that was your question. I think there should be an open discussion with everybody on, with everybody present, people from that are for it, people that are against it, people that are in the middle. 
so that people like you and I can look at the conversation and say, you know what, that person's making a point. That person's also making a point and form your own opinion instead of being like in Canada and just being told what to believe and over years and years of getting repeated in the school system that this is normal, we could potentially just form our own opinions, whatever the opinion might be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent for it's um, accessibility. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the thing that <clears throat> remains to be defined is the question of consciousness or, you know, um, creation of life, you know, at which, yeah. at which point does it go beyond a nucleus and embryo, for example, and actually, you know, things like sentience and feeling pain and like, does the, you know, the, the, the being understand or feel that it's being killed, you know, that for me would be the line. Mm. Um, and, but I, so you said something interesting about the modeling for the kids. And I think that line of argument could be true, but the thing that, at least from my understanding of very anti-abortion, particularly Christian anti-abortion thinking, is that sex is confined to a marriage between mm-hmm. a man and a woman for yep. the purpose of creating children. That's the only acceptable time for sex is in those very strict circumstances, and but that's just not absolutely ju- not realistic. But it's not just to create kids, but it is between a man and a woman when they're married. Like they can have all the sex they want for whatever reason, but mm-hmm. it, they Christians do believe that it is attached to the sacred relationship that is in between the man and the woman under marriage. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's just preposterous to expect teenage kids to not fuck. Sure. You but know, for the longest just, time, but for the longest time, they didn't. Mm-hmm. I think they did. They just sent the pregnant girl off to grandma's house to be hidden. Yeah, but know? I think that was. But again, I think you're dealing with exceptions. For sure, that happened. There's no. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about. There's nobody that can question what you're saying as not being true. For sure that that happened. But again, we're talking about different values because I think this is what the biggest problem is today with everything. Is our system of values have become very corrupted. It's like we accept anything, anything goes because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. But at one point, our society was built on a, you know, as much as people are not Christians anymore and people are not religious, our system of law is based on the Ten Commandments. It's all derived. I mean, I'm talking North America. I'm not talking everywhere in the world, obviously, but I'm just talking here in North America. So the best system of laws that we could think is based on religious texts. Obviously, we've adapted it, we moved it, we we changed, we evolved it over the years, but it was still a set of values that we all agreed. And that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is we have, I don't think we have the same set, of, we, we have a set of values that we agree upon anymore. I think we're pretty much letting everybody do whatever they feel like and we'll deal with the consequences instead of having very strong values taught to our kids like look at my girlfriend i'm 40 years old i've never had kids it's not because i couldn't it's because i chose not to have any because i've never met a woman before my girlfriend that her values aligned with mine to a point that i know that once we have kids 
we both know where what we want to do, how we want to raise them, the type of teachings that they're going to receive. It's not going to be an argument. It's not going to be a decision that we're pushing for later. This is something that we've discussed at length. But this is what's important. This is another thing that we don't talk about is finding people. Like, let's say that you and I, our values align. We could be friends, but we need to choose people that are around us based on those set of values. So why not, why not be more careful about the way our society is and kind of set? I don't want to say boundaries because I don't like that word, but val- let, let's just call them values. <laughs> you don't like the word boundaries? <laughs> no, because uh, at the same time, yeah. boundaries are meant to be broken. Boundaries can be very limiting, yeah. but I do believe mm-hmm. that certain boundaries should be applicable to a certain age. Same same way as you can't drink before you're 18 or 21, depending the states or the country that you're in. Those are boundaries. We decided as a society that the, the person is not old enough to be responsible. And I see things like abortion the same way. Like there should be a set of boundaries similar to what you were saying. What is it? I don't know. There's people a lot smarter than me that are probably trying to figure it out. So hopefully they do figure it out. But yeah, it's an interesting topic though. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess just going back to the, you know, the idea that if we do legalize abortion, we're setting an example of to kids of, you know, have frivolous unprotected sex. It doesn't matter. I, I think, those two things, um, so idea of teaching safe sex and having abortion accessible, those two things can exist together, and that's what I would advocate for, of you know having honest, realistic conversations about safe sex, what that means with your teenage kids, and you know talking about just because you're horny doesn't mean you should go fuck someone, mm-hmm. you know like not just okaying it for a 13 year old to start having sex, but also understanding that kids are kids and kids do dumb shit. And maybe we should think about not having the entire trajectory of their lives changed at 15 to 18 because they had sex and got someone pregnant, you know, or if you're a girl, you know, you had sex with your first boyfriend or whatever, and now you're a mother for the next rest of your life. And there's no recourse for that. Um, but don't but you yeah, think I, I, at the same time we over-sexualize everything nowadays? Because we were we were kidding before when we were talking about social media. So uh, do you not think that... And this is what I mean by a set of values that we should consider is right now everything is over-sexualized. Everything oh, is sure. over-sexualized everywhere. And we wonder why our kids are so interesting in sex. Because it's everywhere. So, of course, you you look at a 12-year-old girl. She looks like she's 16 because she dresses a certain way. She has all the makeup that she wants. And I, I'm I, from a, a, a third party's perspective, I see a lack of values. I really see a lack of values on what you're concentrating on. If that's what you're preoccupied by when you're 12 years old, imagine when you're 18. Imagine when you're 24. It's like the you take TikTok for example. Do you have you ever seen the the Chinese version where the actual application comes from? Did you see what it's about? It's not the same as the rest of the world. Oh, they, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's completely different. <laughs> no, but they locked it down to a certain amount of hours per day and not, not only that, but the type of content that they're pushing towards their kids is educational. 
So it's really not there to dumb people down, but to make them smarter. See, that again, I think our values, I'm not saying I agree with the communist way that China runs their country. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think that if you look at it for what it is to say, okay, social media has a certain power, has a certain impact on people. Maybe we should all agree that there are certain situations where 12-year-olds shouldn't have access to a certain type of content in the same way as a 16-year-old is not supposed to drink. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Thank God knows that I, I abused it when I was that age. But there's a set of values that I think is missing. And maybe that having abortions available for everywhere is just trying to deal with that situation. Instead, we're, we're dealing with the consequences and we're not dealing with the actual root problem is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fair. Yeah. And I think the, the question of values is an interesting one because it feels to me that we're seeing a counter swing or the pendulum come back for people advocating for a more of a nuclear family, Yep. for example, mm-hmm. you know, that word and that idea has kind of like, it became very, at least in my world, Philadelphia high school, Washington DC college, San Francisco, post-college <laughs> very kind of to me even having a negative connotation because the nuclear family implies a very paternalistic and a bad way set up where there's an unequal power share between uh, husband and wife for example um, where kids are subservient to a fault and don't have the ex- freedom to be expressive or have their own ideas and has to have to kind of um, stay in line but now it seems like with, you know, there's raging drug addiction, violence in cities, you know, the, the, there's been an outcry for, okay, maybe some of these ideas have more merit and we shouldn't just throw them away. Um, that, that's my kind of analysis of what we're seeing. And I don't, I really don't agree with how it's presented by a lot of the conservative talking heads, you know, cause I feel like it's, um, there's a there's a there's a combination of both schools of thought I think that can be found, um, at least for me and my family essentially is is what I'm saying. It's not presented the wrong way from neither the left nor the right. They right. both stick again as we were talking about before we started recording about the bell curve. Most people's opinions sit somewhere in the middle at eighty percent, a bit far, a bit left of the middle, a bit right of the middle. All we're hearing right now is the two ten percent at each end that are screaming at each other, and the people in the middle are like, "We're fucking tired of hearing your bullshit, so we're just not going to pay attention to you guys anymore." But there's still the people holding the microphones are the two extremes on each side. Coming from a family that my dad left when I was a teenager, I know the importance of having a father in my fa- in, in a family. I th- there's a misconception though that a father has more authority than a woman, let's say in a situation that's more conservative. Like I'll be a hundred percent upfront with you. My girlfriend does not work. She does not need to work because I make enough money to make sure Mm -hmm. that she's taken care of. She helps me a lot with my businesses. She does a lot of the stuff that I'm not very good at, like the accounting. And she deals with a lot of the things that needs a, a finer touch that women tend to be more empathic. They, they mean they're, they're more compassionate. Like those are, are qualities that most women have 
than men don't necessarily possess. So she does a lot of the work that requires a bit of a feminine touch, as they say. But at the end of the day, I still consider myself a provider. My my role as as a man is to be a provider. I've learned how to fight and I'm ready to lie down my life for my family any given any chance if I have to I will because I'm disposable as a man when it comes to my family's value my value my family will, has more value than my life this is the way I see it this is old school thinking but I still one of the reasons why my girlfriend is with me is that she knows that if something happens if we're in a situation where violence is to occur I'm a monster I've learned to be a monster like we all have that mm-hmm. monster inside of us but as a man through meditation and martial art and self-control, I have learned to put that monster on a leash and let it sleep somewhere inside me, hoping that it never has to come out. But if it does, I will do what I have to do in order to take care of my family and that I will never question it and I'll deal with the consequences after. But those are traits to me that are more conservative, that people don't want to admit that there are roles to genders. Like my, you, you look at University of Ottawa, for example. I think right now they're between 70 and 80% of the students in the field of medicine are women. And you look on the complete opposite side as an engineer. I was a sales engineer for 12 years. On that side, it's 90% men. But when you look at it, women as a whole are more compassionate. They're more in touch with their emotions naturally. So they're more compassionate. They have more empathy. And to me, that makes way more sense to have a feminine doctor because those are the traits I would like to have in a doctor. If I'm hurt and I need medical care, I would like somebody that has empathy. I want to have somebody that's compassionate. But at the same time, if you look at an engineer, the reason there's so many men in there, men like to fix things. Look at all the arguments you've ever had with your girlfriend. When... Often we say women want to complain to complain. That's not true. They just want to be listened to. But us as men, we're like, we're very logical. We're analytic. We're like, I'm going to fix your problem. But that's not what they want. See, this is the big clash and it's okay. We have differences and we need to accept the fact that there are differences. This is how I see it. This is how it is with my girlfriend. And I do think this is lacking in today's society. I do think that the male figure is lacking. And there needs to be an understanding of values, like I was saying earlier. It's totally okay if two people are together and they want a, they want the, the, the woman is naturally more feminine. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about energy. I'm a big fan of energies. If they produce a more, I've met a lot of women in my life that are very masculine in energy. They're very feminine looking, but in the way that they are, you attribute You attribute the way they are to more of a masculine energy. And I've met a lot of guys that are more feminine energy. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. This is just the way they are and it's fine. But look at those couple. There will still be somebody that's more masculine. There'll still be somebody that's more feminine. Whoever it is between the two, that's their own problem. They can deal with their relationship the way they see fit. But the point in the matter is there is something to be said that I feel is lacking in a nucleus family that both conservative and both liberals or Republican and Democrats in the U.S. are not talking about. Again, like they scream at each end, but the studies will show you that a kid that was raised by both parents being present is a lot better adjusted 
than a kid that either didn't have a mother or didn't have a father. And by mother and father, it doesn't necessarily need to be their biological one. I'm talking about influences. If you had a strong man figure, the dad dies, but the grandfather is a strong man figure, takes the place of what the father should have done because he's not there. Vice versa for the woman. If something happens to the woman, the grandmother, a friend, somebody can step in and fill that role. That's what I mean by having those two party present, but it is lacking. It is lacking. Yeah, it's certainly it seems to make sense to me to have both would be better than, than yeah. one or zero. Yeah, My, definitely better yeah. than zero. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. My my assessment is that like it's completely fine if two adults want they can that's like the whole thing the whole kind of groundwork of what we're talking about is people live and let live, really. You know, yep, however people absolutely. want to run their lives, mm-hmm. go for it. I agree. My um Concern or, or hope, I suppose, would just be that people before they jump into those lifelong relationships have a have a uh, reflection about themselves and and are those traditional roles what they really want, mm-hmm. you know? And then instead of building up resentment, and thirty years later you've got kids and you hate your husband and you sleep in separate beds and you know he's an asshole, she's a bitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I think yeah. that's one of the benefits of kind of the lightening of marriage and maybe the 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 pause or delay of people getting married and not getting married at 25. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like you said, there has to be communities need strong foundations of, you know, family units and whatever that looks like. And uh, while, while we're on the spicy topics, um, a lot of like um, – because I, I recently kind of diversified my news intake consciously to be okay. both conservative and liberal. Yeah. Um, and the religious cons- fundamentalists or conservatives who who say like sex should be between a man and a woman because the Bible says so. Mm-hmm. That one to me still just makes no fucking sense. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's great that like you love your religious text and like cheers, but like if two people of the same sex want to live together, cohabitate and are, can still have a very positive impact on their society. And that's completely fine with me. I still don't see why it's okay for someone else to impose their religious beliefs based on their religious text that they thump on someone else. Who's, who's not harming the society. Again, you said it well, let and let live. That's what we were saying before mm-hmm. we started recording. And do I understand the attractiveness of a man towards another man? I can't say I do. Men don't attract me that way. But does that mean that if it does somebody else, they're wrong? No. The fact that I don't understand doesn't mean they're not allowed. Should They shouldn't be allowed to do it. And, you know, you talked about the Bible. You talk about religious texts and the biggest... My biggest vice with religious texts, one is most people that follow the Bible have never read it. I've read the Bible, so <laughs> and it's not in a way where I, I I'm not a Christian, but I do like the story. I, I'm somebody that likes to read between the lines. To me, the Bible mm-hmm. is a psychological tale. It's something that can teach you how to become better. If you take same way as you know, when you grow up, your your parents would would tell you fables. 
Have you ever reread those fables as an adult? No. You should. I've reread uh, The Little Prince was something that I was really fond of when I was a kid. And I've reread it multiple times as an adult. That book is brilliant. So brilliant. Because when you understand what it's about, the actual meaning behind it, and this is what is lacking with a lot of the religions out there. They don't understand. They take the text for black and white, for really what it is, instead of trying to understand what it actually means, which is one of the reasons I'm such a fan of Alan Watts. I've spent countless hours listening to Alan Watts and the way he breaks down religion, breaks down Christianity, brings down um, Buddhism for what they mean, not what's written on, on paper, but how it how it's applicable to everyday life. And this is the issue. This is the biggest issue because technically, if they want to follow the Bible, everybody should be plant-based because in the Bible, it does say that the animals weren't creating to eat. They were actually seeds and nuts were created for humans to eat. They just pick and choose what they want to hear. This is like any subject out there. Most people tend to pick and choose what they want to, they want to believe in. But at the end of the day, if two men wants to have a relationship together, they should be allowed to. It's been going on since men have been men. Uh, there's an expression in the old Greek world that said that f uh, women were for families and men were for pleasure. You know, that, that was the strength of the Roman army, right? Like you look at the strongest army 2000 years ago, the reason, like the Greeks, for example, if you look at, um, damn, what's the, the, the movie 300? What's the, the, the Spartans? The Spartans. You know that they say in history, Spartans were mostly gay. Yeah. Imagine, and, and it's brilliant. The way they came up with this, the, the people leading those armies are absolutely brilliant. Imagine that instead of defending another soldier next to you, you're defending a lover. You're going to mm -hmm. fight the shit out of that war because the guy next to you is somebody that you actually love because you've had private intercourse with that man. So they would en encourage men to have sexual relationship to form that attachment so that when they were on the battlefield, they're defending a lover and not just another soldier. It's brilliant. Tactically, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> so you know what? There's, you see gay in nature. You see gay, you see gay behavior in, in, um, animal, in animals. So again, who the fuck cares what two guys or two girls do behind closed doors? Why the fuck does it matter to anybody else than them? I agree. That one, like a lot, a lot of topics of values in society. I really have time for some conservative ideals but that one to me just falling back on pub because the bible says so is so lazy to me yep i agree it, it's not yeah. very researched but i do think there's it's mm. ignorant and ignorant is not necessarily it's mm. not calling somebody stupid it's really just saying that they lack an under a certain understanding or they're not questioning i don't like dogma this is my problem with most religion. It, it is a dogma. You believe this or else. I don't like that. I don't like that in anything. I don't care what the subject is. I don't, dogmas are bullshit. 
you're you can't tell me what to believe if i know that it's not true i know that it's not true i don't care what you have to say about it for sure because dogmas are for people who are lost and who are seeking shelter psychological shelter mm-hmm. and, and someone who promises the answers is what attracts them but you know at the same time when i was in washington uh, not in washington but when i was in virginia um I went to see my my friend there, and he's religious. Like he's a Christian, uh, he's an older. He comes from the the previous generation. He goes to church every Sunday, and we went to church with him, my girlfriend and I. And I didn't really care for the sermon that was being given by the priest, but you know what? I absolutely love the energy in the room. Everybody was so nice. Everybody came up to me. They're like, hey, I see you're with Warren. How you doing? Who are you? What you're doing here? But uh, if you need anything, you let us know how long you're in uh, Virginia for. Oh, you should go see that place, that place, that place. And this is the beauty that I see with religion at the same time. Having a shared, a shared value system where they all agree on certain things and they form relationship based on those values is a beautiful thing. I was, I was there. I was, I wasn't even caring about the sermon. Like I said, I was looking back. I was just looking at people and I love to see people just soaking up the vibes. Same thing as a nice concert, go to a concert yeah, yeah. where people are listening to music. I don't watch the concert. I'm looking at the people and it makes me very emotional to see Everybody vibing to the same thing. This, to me, is what matters. So there's beauty in everything. It just depends how you choose to look at it. I love it, man. Well, we're we're about up on time, but I think the last question I'll ask you about is your current meditation practice. I'm sure it's a long tail of the whole journey with it, but what, uh, what, do you do a self um, self derived or self you know created meditation practice? Are you with a specific school of meditation, or what does that look like for you? And and how often are you doing it? Um, I probably do. I don't have names for the. Th- I've I've studied texts on meditation for more than ten years now, and it's not until I stopped reading and just starting and just did it the way it felt right to me that I've discovered the way I should meditate. But there's three, there's three types of meditation that I do. I do auto suggestion twice a day. I do visualization slash auto suggestion twice a day morning, but first thing in the morning, first, last thing before I go to bed, I do, I've discovered that all my questions can be answered when I meditate too. So I will do meditation when I'm puzzled by something, when I need reflection. Mm. I will use time for myself to just clear my head and put it out there, if you will. And my third type of meditation that I do every day as well is after training. Because that's after working out. This is another big mistake that most people do. Um, You look at dogs. I'm a big fan of dogs. I've had dogs most of my life, but... You, you don't play rough. You don't rough house with a dog and then go back to its normal life. You need to put him back in a situation where he gets to relax. You need to pet him. You need to make him understand that playtime is finished so that he doesn't attack the next person that he sees because he thinks he's, pl- he's still playing. But I use the same principle for working out. I'll, I work out one hour and a half, two hours every day and 
after that part of my workout, there's a 15, 20 minute stretch. And I finish my every single workout session by 5, 10, 15. However long I feel like I need to meditate, I just stay there until I'm done. But I always recenter myself after pumping myself up to push weights or to do martial art. I will be sitting there for X number of minutes, bring myself back to center so that I can go back into the world without feeling like I need to kill someone. In the world, thanks you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's important to learn how to... Meditation to me, meditation and martial art taught me to... Uh, temperance, taught me to self-mastery, taught me to know what it feels like when I'm centered. So as soon as I'm off-centered, I realize it right away. I'm able to step back from any given situation and look at it from an from an outside perspective and say, "Okay, hold on, bro. The, the, something's going on here. You're not you're not normal right now. Step back, analyze the situation. What's going on? Does it really need to be there? No, just leave. It's that to me is what meditation is all about: getting to know what you feel like when you're feeling great, when you're feeling centered, so that the next time you're not feeling that way. You can catch yourself, stop yourself from just reacting to a situation instead of doing it consciously. For sure. I think that's a really fun way to look at life as, and as an exercise too, is to look at almost any situation as an exercise in self-mastery. 100%. I agree with you 100%. You know, it's like, oh, it's work time. It's time to work. I'm distracted. I want to go. For me, it's like watching rugby. That's like by easy brain candy, <laughs> yeah. you know, yep. but it's like, all right, catch yourself. Don't do it. You know, or even whether it's more coffee or whatever the distraction is, that's not what needs to be done right now. It's applicable to everything. It's applicable yeah. to every single aspect of your life, which is why doing things consciously is what we should all strive to be able to do on a day-to-day basis. Love it. Awesome. Nico, well, thank you so much for your time, man. I'll link to your socials, your podcast, your website for those who are keen to, to learn more about you. Absolutely. Uh, any, any parting shots? No, man. It, it, thanks for having me. I, I was not expecting to speak about half of those subjects, but I'm, I welcome. <laughs> no, but I like the, I like those. I like, mm-hmm. I like to be able to have an open discussion with someone, no matter how we feel. We could be on total opposite and I'm still capable of having a human conversation with someone without feeling the need to call them names and still try to understand why they feel a certain way about something that might not be the same way I feel about it. So no, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Likewise, man. Thank you. Absolutely, man.